Paul's letter to the Hebrews 13 7-16. Brethren, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the Word of God, consider the outcome of their lives, and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is well that the heart be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited their adherents. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore let us go forth to him outside the camp and bear the abuse he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city which is to come. Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Dash 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 dash. There are a couple of things going on when Paul interacts with the churches that he has helped establish across the known world. Very often he addresses them as brethren and at the same time, he explains how while there are many teachers, but there are very few fathers, of which he is one. He understands his role and the demands that are upon him for such a position. All the while seeing himself as the worst of sinners. None of this is contradictory but is, instead, a collection of different perspectives. In the big picture, Paul understands that he is a sinner deeply in need of God's grace and forgiveness. He understands as well that all men are equal as they are all part of the body of Christ, the Church. He understands too that within that body, certain people have certain responsibilities. These responsibilities do not make them better than anyone else, they simply have an authority to teach and lead. As he says elsewhere, teachers will be judged more harshly, for their position as teachers makes them responsible for the well-being of others. Paul goes on to speak of leaders within the church and how, because of this role, they are worthy of imitation. These are those whose faith we should imitate. This was true in Paul's day and it has been true in every generation since then. We need to be careful about who we set up as our role models. We need to be conscious of these because oftentimes, our role models are in place without our specific intentionally. Paul goes on to remind his readers of the importance of right belief. When we follow the faithful leadership of those within the church, we will not be led astray. At the same time, we need to be careful of strange teachings and beliefs that are contrary to what the church has always believed and taught. Especially in our day, when there are literally thousands of denominations and belief systems that all claim to be Christian. From a logical perspective, there can only be one true church. Any group that deviates from or is disconnected from the historic Christian faith should immediately be suspect. This is not to suggest that they don't have good intentions and are completely wrong, this is to say that any strange teaching needs to be rejected regardless of how nice or well-intentioned the proponents may be. In the next section, the nature of Paul's original audience needs to be acknowledged. Paul is speaking to former Jews who have embraced Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Paul knows that there is a great temptation for these former Jews to return to their former faith. But as he points out, the animal sacrifices that once held their attention are no longer of value. Jesus Christ is the true sacrificial lamb that actually took away the sins of the world. The bloody animal sacrifices of the old covenant sacrificial system only covered sins until the coming of the Messiah. All of the rules and regulations of that old system no longer apply and have no practical or religious value. Just as Jesus took on the full responsibility of the sins of mankind and freed them from the power of sin and death, we too need to emulate Him and be willing to take the abuse for faithfulness just as He did. We need to die to the things of the Old Covenant and look forward to the reality of the New Covenant. Mankind is no longer tied to the old ways but has died to it. Our focus needs to be toward faithfulness to God and to love of our neighbor. 
The right response of the man who has died to the old covenant, and is deliberately living in the new covenant is one of thankfulness and praise. When a man understands what Jesus Christ has accomplished and the state of creation since the death, resurrection, and ascension, he will be overwhelmed with thankfulness and will respond with thoughts, words, and deeds of love and thankfulness. His acknowledgement of faith will be one that is manifested as love of God and love of neighbor. The response that is pleasing to God is one of doing good and sharing what we have. In the Old Covenant, the only blessing that the people of God could enjoy was that of a physical nature. Long life, health, many children, productive crops and peace in the land were signs of God's blessing for faithfulness. But that is no longer where man is. The goal of the faithful Christian life is that of love. All in all, this is about recognizing the change that has taken place since the Incarnation and the transition from the Old Covenant into the New Covenant. Our thoughts, our words, and our actions should look different from those who do not acknowledge Jesus' work. We need to recognize those who are living lives of faithfulness and imitate them and, as a result, make a lifestyle of loving God and loving neighbor.